Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. Tom, I would say what episode number it is, but I don't know. I have no idea. I think it might be 46. 4,129. Anyway, um, this week we are uh, talking about ETFs. Mm. Um any admin this week, Tom? I do have some speed admin before we get stuck in. So uh, keep your questions coming. I said we do a Q&A episode soon. We will do one still soon. Yeah. Um, Podcast.circa5000.com. Please like and subscribe. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch the videos on YouTube. Tell your friends. We appreciate it. The people of Uganda, not sure where you are at the moment. What happened? Same with Chile. Same with Latvia. Same with Switzerland. Come on, lads. Falling out of favour. Falling out of favour. Temporarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so ETFs this week, um, we'll tell you about what they are, how they work, some of the benefits, size of the market, um, and sort of some of our views obviously mixed in. So, I mean, I'll just start off. What is an ETF? So ETF is a type of fund. ETF stands for exchange traded fund. So, um, an exchange traded fund is a basket or a group of securities. So by securities, we can mean companies, we can mean stocks, um, we can also mean bonds, um, which are debt instruments. Um, and they're passive, which means that rather than having uh, an individual picking what companies or holdings go into that fund, they track something called an index. So an index is basically a set of rules, mm-hmm. and it determines what can go into the fund or what is excluded from the fund. Um a popular example might be something like the S&P 500. That is the 500 largest listed companies in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, an S&P 500 ETF is a fund that tracks the performance of those 500 companies. So um, they, you know, they're typically um, sort of accessible. Well, they're accessible on stock exchanges, yeah. so that's why they're exchange traded, um, and they can be bought and sold fairly readily um, and typically quite low cost, but they're a booming part mm. of the industry. Um, assets and ETFs is, is growing, um, and that's what we're talking about. So when we're talking about ETFs, that's what we mean. It's funds that track indices that are available to be bought and sold yeah. through stock exchanges. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the key benefits and why they are booming and why they've been booming for some time. Key benefits being generally lower costs. Um, they have lower expense ratios compared to traditional mutual funds. So it's more like active funds where you're paying a manager to kind of beat the market. They tend to be cheaper because you're not paying anyone to beat a market. You're, yeah. you're, the fund is replicating an index, replicating a market. So you're not paying for like manager skill in yeah. there, which the data suggests is probably a, a good way of approaching investing. And oftentimes not paying for the for not only the manager skill, as in, you know, big fund managers get paid yeah. big, big salaries and bonuses, but also you're not you're not paying for the for the depth of the team that needs yes. to support yeah, an yeah. active manager. Yeah. Um and often your times you're not you're not I mean it's not always the case, but oftentimes you're not paying for sort of the depth of research mm. and, the, and the research information that's acquired. Yeah. And also you're never paying something like a performance fee, which no. you do on certain hedge funds and things like yeah. that. So that's why they're lower cost typically. Yeah, tend, tend to be much lower cost for those reasons. And then uh, transparency. So ETFs are required to disclose more information than traditional mutual funds. Some mutual funds will disclose next to nothing. Yeah. So you can you get a, get a greater feel for what's in them. It's easy to understand what's going on behind the scenes. And then the the third you know main benefit would say is, is flexibility. As you mentioned, they can be bought and sold throughout the day. 
they're listed on an exchange like a stock. So you basically, when you buy into an ETF, you're buying a share of that ETF. The price of that share tracks the underlying index, the underlying basket of stock. So low cost, very transparent and very flexible. Yeah, I mean, on the transparency point, what you'll always get with an ETF is the holdings, the list of the names. Yeah. Where sometimes you have to dig a bit more is into how the index or how the set of rules of what mm. qualifies a company to be included or excluded from yep. the fund is. Sometimes to get to that methodology, you have to dig and dig and dig. Yep. Sometimes you'll never find the answer to it. Yep. Um, that's where we've talked about in the past things like theme washing, yes. where you know, a, 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 a thematic ETF could be something saying we're an electric vehicle ETF. Mm. Until you know exactly how that set of rules, how that index is put together... You yeah. won't really know why things are in there. You'll yeah. always know what's in there. Yeah. It'll give you the list of holdings, but it won't necessarily know how they've been yeah. judged to be fit or otherwise for that fund. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the generic traditional ETFs, you know, tracking the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100, the methodology will be it's exceptionally obvious. easy to understand. Yeah. It's in yeah. the name, really. But, yeah. you know, the, the ones that we've talked about, whether they're, you know, really good quality themes that have been built, you know, ind- indexes that have been built from scratch for the purpose of creating those ETFs, you perhaps need to get stuck into a little bit more about how they've been how they've been built to fully understand them. Um, and there's areas there that are right for theme washing, right for green washing, um, and some that are built you know with real quality and real good quality research. But you still need to try and understand the way they've been built that aren't just generic and off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. So as we said, this this sort of area of investing or this way of investing via ETF, this this these types of vehicles, ETFs, is booming. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2022. Um, the total assets in ETFs reached $10.5 trillion. It's a lot of money. Um, and that's up from <laughs> $2.3 trillion in 2009. So uh, not only is it a big number, but it's a number that's grown significantly since 2009. Um, and just to give you a flavor of the size of that in terms of more local markets for us, Tom, UK and Europe, not for our our loyal listeners in Uganda. <laughs> What's the Ugandan ETF market like, Matt? Not not big. I think <laughs> it's uh, emerging, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but the um, the size of the ETF market in the UK and Europe, um, so uh, UK and Europe is 2.3 trillion of that 10.5. Um, and the UK makes up around half of that. Wow. So 1.2 trillion yep. is in UK ETFs. The second... Uh, biggest markets are France and Germany, and they have about 400 billion and 300 billion, respectively, uh, euros uh, in ETFs. So there's a few trends driving that growth, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the 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 background to this is within the investment management industry, you've got this the, the rise of passive, which has been going on, you know, since before we even started in the industry. You know, more and more investors in, are choosing passive funds such as ETFs um, because of the benefits that we've outlined already, but also because of the the fact that active managers very rarely outperform the general stock market or, or ETFs. And so it's, see, it's seen as a as a bit of an easy decision to make versus putting your for, your money and your fortunes in the hand of individual skill. The data shows that, you know, passive investing over the long term can be just as good, if not better, especially on a net basis when you compare it you know, against the fees. And so that's a huge thing that's been happening in the industry for 20 years probably yeah. is, is assessing active managers, realizing that there's not much benefit of, uh, for the fees and switching to a lower cost way of investing and, and replicating market returns. Yeah, and before that passive movement, what you were getting was basically a lot of what you'd call as benchmark hugging. Mm, so if you're yeah. a FTSE, if you're a UK-based fund manager, obviously your benchmark or the yeah. measure at which you're 
you know, you either outperform or underperform is, you know, have you returned more or less than the FTSE 100 that yeah. year? Yeah. Um, and what you were sort of getting was a lot of fund managers going, well, if I just sort of build a fund that looks a lot like the FTSE 100, my performance will be a lot like the FTSE 100 mm. and I can't go too far wrong. Yeah. Now, that's all fine and well and good, but they were also trying to charge a big fee at the same yeah. time. So what's driven this passive market is, well, if fund managers are going to benchmark themselves against the FTSE 100, I may as well just buy a cheap fund that just gives me the FTSE 100 return. Yeah. And obviously that that makes sense. I mean, there still may be arguments for certain places where active active yeah. management can, can work. Um you know, certain geographies, certain strategies, things like that. But it's a big threat to these these sort of benchmark hugger active managers where they're not really giving you uh, outperformance yeah. and you're not really getting any extra for your bigger fee. Yeah. And then the other the other big factor that's come out in the past, you know, definitely five years, the, the increased popularity of online investing, you know, retail investors come into the market, yeah. you know, en masse for the first time really, you know, ever really when you look, when you look at the broad, the broad timelines. And so online investing, app-based investing has made it easier for investors to buy and sell. And ETFs are very popular because of the benefits we've already outlined, the cost, the flexibility, et cetera. So you've got this new wave of investors coming to the market and that's been, you know, increasing the demand, you know, overall um, for this type of vehicle. The other thing is there's been a huge expansion of options available yeah. uh, in the in, in, in ETFs. It started off historically, it was quite vanilla. Um, yeah. You know, we've mentioned the S&P 500, FTSE 100 tracking ETFs. There's now much more interesting ways of investing yeah. in ETFs, different themes, you know, different geographies, different flavors all over the place. There's some problems with that that we've already, that we've highlighted previously, but it gives retail investors and, and institutional investors a bigger breadth of low cost options yeah. to invest the money. I mean, it's 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 a positive and a negative, as you say, that, yeah. you know, we've seen areas like crypto, blockchain, AI, anything that's a sort of buzzword at the time, mm. you can easily develop an index and spin up a fund. Yeah. What you don't need to do is go and find an expert active manager yeah. who knows how to analyze the full range of companies that might sit or otherwise in that space yeah. and then pick them. So there's a low there's a low sort of friction in terms of spinning up particularly thematic ETFs. Yeah. Um, but the but the market continues to innovate there. So what you're seeing now is you're seeing the active managers get a sniff that the ETF wrapper is becoming yeah. popular. And you can charge you can still charge a bit more of a fee than a normal ETF if it's an yeah. actively managed ETF. So you're seeing a boom in in them. Yeah. Um and all sorts of uh sort of more interesting and complicated ideas like uh area in the US that's sort of in its infancy is what you call a defined outcome ETF, yeah. where ETFs are tracking a, maybe a traditional index like the S&P 500, but they're also doing it using derivatives mm. where they can give you a, a more of a defined outcome, i.e. they can give you your money back if, even if the index goes down yeah. or they cap you on you, they cap your return on the upside in, in terms of for a more sort of defined outcome. So all sorts of innovation that continues to go, but it's that innovation and range of products that's driven, yeah. in part driven the, the market. Yeah, huge, a huge expansion in the range is highlighted by the fact that there's there's now 7,000 ETFs available to investors, and this is up from about 1,000 in 2009. And so you've- and Have you collected them all? I've Pokemon? Had, I have one of each, and I will trade you a shiny <laughs> one for two of those shiny ones. Um, it, it, and so there's, you know, in that expansion, inevitably, there's problems. Um, we've highlighted them in previous episodes. We just highlight them again. You know, some of the some of the active managers are now seizing on um, ETFs uh, coming down into the ETF world, trying to charge bigger fees, etc. Than, than ETFs traditionally would have would have been would have been uh, marketed at that price point. So 
there's a there's a broad range of availability. It's never been easy to to find ETFs to invest in whatever you want, but with that it creates problems. Theme washing being a major major problem, and so it's still incumbent upon the everyday investor to really check what they're investing in, um, and the quality of of the funds that they're buying. Don't just rely on the name of the fund. Um, you know the, the the buzzword of the moment. Do a little bit more digging and kind of try as much as possible from the theme perspective, staying away from the the hot buzzword of the moment. Now you've probably seen, I don't know if you've seen them yet, but there's probably loads of AI, you know, chatbot, uh, metaverse related ETFs that are coming to market, seizing on that the idea that that's a massive growth area. So just be careful. Um, it's never been better in terms of the range, but no, there's some problems with that. Yeah, just one area that's that's worth us ha- highlighting is the the growth of the ESG space. Yeah. Um, so um, environmental, social, governance. We've covered ESG at length. Um, all of the uh, problems and uh, pros and cons of of of, of funds labelling themselves as ESG. But you know what you've seen is the ESG market in ETFs specifically, not yep. in all types of fund, just in ETFs globally is worth about 1.5 trillion dollars mm-hmm. so you know roughly 10% of the of the total ETF market yeah um, a number that's growing so that 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 market share is increasing for for as well as the overall ETF market expanding the yeah. proportion of ETF ESG ETFs is uh is expanding as Acronym well bingo there we go yeah um and um within that so basically the largest market in that in the ESG space is the US then the EU, and then uh, the UK, which is obviously no longer part of the EU. Mm-hmm. But actually, the UK on its own has about $200 billion of ESG right. funds, yep. um, and the EU has about 300 So it's a big it's a big part of the European yep. market. Yeah. Within within ESG, in, within Europe, within, 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 within. Layers within. This is Inception this ETFs the, now. Yeah. Now, focus. You might need to rewatch this, this bit of the pod. <laughs> Like I did with Inception about 55 <laughs> times. I still don't understand it. Um, there's Article 9 ETFs, that, Article 9 funds that we've discussed before. These are generally seen, you know, it's EU regulation that labels funds. Article 9 is seen as the highest grade sustainable investment fund that you can call yourself. Within Europe, there's, there's only 46 Article 9 ETFs. That's the, the full market. So there's not that many that are Article yeah. 9 at the moment. Yeah. And there's about 270 billion invested in those 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 ETFs. And so they, the the European ETF market is expected to grow to about 3 trillion uh, in, yeah. in three or four years. And the proportion that are Article 9 is expected to go from about 16% today to about 33%. And so, as you said, the the even the, the area that's seen as like the the, the, the high best, end, the best yeah. end, high yeah. end part of the market is it, it is set to explode in the next in the yeah. next few years. There's a rush to get funds that are labelled Article Nine, um, and there's a massive demand from asset managers, wealth managers, and uh, and different investors that are looking for really credible portfolios of investments that they know passes a threshold for quality when it comes to sustainable investment. And the reason, so you know, if we look out sort of the next the market trends for the next sort of five years out from here, Tom. Yeah. Again, you know, when you start to make predictions, that's where we start to end up with embarrassing ourselves. But yeah. you know, who knows where we'll be and where the pod will be in five years. We say <laughs> Hopefully what, no one will ever listen back to me. We can say what we want. Um but you know, I think we're at the sort of we're at base camp on a lot of these trends. Yeah. You know, we've we've witnessed it in the last four years since we've been running four or five years since we've been running this business. We've witnessed it in the last fifteen years that we've been sort of yeah. in and around the industry. Um you know, some of these trends are real. I've only really just begun. ETFs themselves yes, have been around do. since the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, so 
this is a, this is an industry in its infancy. But you know, those trends like a move towards passive investing. Mm. There's, there's still many big institutions, still many, um, you know, big, large-scale investors, still a huge proportion of global assets yep. that still are only on the first few steps of that journey yep. in terms of, you know, not paying active managers and going passive. Um, and, you know, things like the transition to online investing. Mm. You know, you look at you look at the size of even something like the financial advice market in the UK yeah. or the ISA market in the UK, you know, just as little snapshots and you look at the proportion of that, which is either self-service or um, online. Mm. And it's very, very limited. Yep. You know, but the more people that start to uh, invest online and via online platforms, mm. the bulk of those assets are probably, or a big proportion of those assets are probably going to be directed towards ETFs. Yep. You know, so you're seeing, you're seeing that these trends are sort of set to yeah. sort of almost bed in over the next yes. few years. Yeah. And they'll those trends will result in more ETF providers, more ETF options coming to market. You know, the 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 retail investor audience and to be fair, non-retail institutional, the demand for proper sustainable sustainable products, there'll be more options that come out in those markets as well. And so if you think about 10 trillion, it's still a small percentage of the overall investable capital markets. There's still yeah. the majority of that is still in active funds, mutual funds, you know, more traditional old school funds that are, that are charging higher fees. And so there's still an awful long way to go before it's even, you know, a quarter or a third of the market in terms of overall size. And so even though it, it's tempting to think that, you know, what this, this trend is well is embedded now and it's, you know, it's maturing, it, it's really not. It's really still the beginning. And I think mo- a lot of the traditional players are still hanging on to their old ways of investing, um, hanging on to the, the high fees of, of yesterday, basically, before innovating themselves and, and, and coming to the ETF market, which they'll inevitably have to do at some point. Yeah, I mean, and there's been a reluctance of the big active asset managers. You know, it's just basic maths and basic business. Yeah. If you're making a successful business charging 1.5% for a fund mm. and the market for ETFs for that for a similar type of fund is maybe 30 to 50 basis points, yeah. 0. 0.3 to 0.5%. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe even, maybe even 0.7 to 0.8%. Why are you suddenly going to sort no. of yeah. ditch all of your high high fee making funds in return to just get on an industry trend? You've yeah. seen it in industry after industry for decade after decade. The legacy providers hold on for as long as they can yeah. until the curtain comes down. Yeah. Um, you know, and we know of big active managers that have started to develop ETFs, yeah. hired the staff, built the built the infrastructure, and then can the project because you look at you look at it from a pure profit and loss point of view and go well if we launch that we kill the cash cow yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know but these things tend to overtake and 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 you know ultimately the the things that are most beneficial to the underlying investor from a cost point of view from a value point of view um they'll prevail over yeah. time these big companies they always find it hard to disrupt themselves there's no incentive to do so yeah and but in you know, eventually they have like the Kodak moment where exactly. kind of the, you, the road runs never, out. And you understand why it's not, it's not, you know, you wouldn't want to be the CEO that says our successful business that we've built up over the last 80 <laughs> years. What I suggest we do is we, we basically kill it and try and start something new. Yeah. Never going to happen. No. Um, you know, and I think the other thing that's, that's happening is there's a, there's still a journey for some people to come on. You know, we've, we, we've experienced it in terms of, people questioning whether you can properly invest mm. um, in an impactful way or in impactful themes through a through an ETF structure yeah. as if there's something inherently wrong with the structure. Yeah. 
it's not the case. You know, all of the things you can do in an active fund, you can do through an ETF. It's actually, yeah. there's a lot of nonsense out there, yeah. surprisingly written and put active. out by active fund yeah, managers yeah. saying that, oh, you know, if you want to do this type of investing properly, mm. then you have to do it through an active person. You know, mm-hmm. you can only do it if I'm sat here. It can't possibly be done through any other means. <laughs> well, it's actually nonsense and it's only there as a fee preservation exercise. Yeah. So, you know, we've got some news coming shortly on our on, Big news. on ETFs. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> Nearly there. But, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll share more on that yep. as and when the time comes. But good place to stop for now, Tom. Good place to stop. Thanks Just as we're getting het up. Just as we're in our flow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.